Hey, I'm Grace Elizabeth, and this is For Us, a podcast to help us all find a little more joy and connection in our everyday. It's part older sister, part motivational speaker, and I hope it helps you figure out how to live your most authentic, beautiful life. Let's dive in. Hello, I have recorded week four, this episode twice. But it keeps getting interrupted either by the fact that it didn't record everything I wanted it to or that I keep messing up with what I'm reading, which brings me into this week's topic, which is stuff Grace Elizabeth loves right now. Um, Most of it is poetry. I'll probably talk about perfume. Maybe the weather. I don't know. Uh, This week was hard and it kind of reminded me that I don't need to be constantly optimizing that I'm allowed to love what I love right now. And I wanted to share what I love. And I want to hear about what you love as well. So let me know what you think about opening up maybe like a post box that I can send letters from. Or uh, I would love to correspond via via email too. I love emails and I love letters. And I want to hear about what's going on in your life and what you love right now. So, welcome to week four, What Grace Elizabeth Loves. I'm going to start with a poem that I just read off of the Poetry Foundation, and it's called October by Mae Swenson, who wrote this in 1994. Um, It has seven parts. It's long, but I think it's beautiful. So Mae Swenson was born in Logan, Utah, um, and briefly was in Salt Lake City. I, according to the Poetry Foundation on their biography on her, um, it says Swenson's poetry was widely praised for its precise and beguiling imagery and for the quality of its personal and imaginative observations taking inspiration from daily events, ordinary rituals, and the natural world, Swenson revealed, quote, the larger, warmer energies of Earth, unquote, according to poet Richard Howard. Um, Priscilla Long said of her, Swenson was a visionary poet and a prodigious observer of the fragile and miraculous natural world. And I agree. I love the way that she describes October um, in this poem. So I'm going to read that. So without further ado, here is October by Mae Swenson. One. A smudge for the horizon that, on a clear day, shows the hard edge of hills and buildings on the other coast. Anchored boats all head one way, north, where the wind comes from. You can see the storm inflating out of the west, A dark hole in gray cloud twirls, widens, while white rips multiply on the water far out. Wet tousled leaves, thick on the slate terrace. The jays, hoarse cry, he's stumbling in the air, too soaked to fly. Two. Knuckles of the rain on the roof, chuckles into the drain pipe, spatters, the leaves that litter the grass. Melancholy morning, the tide full in the bay, an overflowing bowl, 
at least no wind, no roughness in the sky, its gray face bedraggled by its tears. Three. Peeling a pear, I remember my daddy's hand. His thumb, the one that got nipped by the saw, lacked a nail, fit into the cord hollow of the slippery half his knife skinned so neatly. Dad would pare the fruit from our orchard in the fall while Mother boiled the jars, prepared for putting up. Dad used to darn our socks while we were small and cut our hair and toenails. Sunday mornings, in pajamas, we'd take turns in his lap. He'd help us bathe sometimes. Dad could do anything. He built our dining table, chairs, the buffet, the bay window seat, my little desk of cherry wood where I wrote my first poems. That day at the shop, splitting panel boards on the electric saw, oh, I can hear the screech of it now, the whirling blade that sliced my daddy's thumb. He received the mar that, long after, in his coffin, distinguished his skilled hand. Four. I sit with braided fingers and closed eyes in a span of late sunlight. The spokes are closing. It is fall. Warm milk of light, though from an aging breast. I do not mean to pray. The posture for thanks or supplication is the same as for weariness or relief. But I am glad for the luck of light. Surely it is godly that it makes all things begin and appear and become actual to each other. Light that's sucked into the eye warming the brain with wires of color, light that hatched life out of the cold egg of earth. Five. Dark, wild honey. The lion's eye color you brought home from a country store. Tastes of the work of shaggy bees on strong weeds, their midsummer bloom. My brain's electric circuit glows like the lion's iris that, concentrated, vibrates while seeming not to move. Thick, transparent amber you brought home, the sweet that burns. Six. The very hairs of your head are numbered, said the words in my head, as the hair cutter snipped and cut. My round head, a newel, poked out of the tent's topper, top slippery sheet while my hair's a straight rays rain down, making a pattern on the neat vacant cosmos of my lap. And maybe it was those tiny flies, phantoms of my aging eyes seen out of the sides floating, that when you turn to find them, full face always dissolve. But I saw, I think, minuscule, marked in clearest ink, Hairs number 9,001 and number 9,002 fall. The cut-off ends streaking like little comets till they tumble to confuse with all the others in their fizzled heaps in canyons of my lap. And what keeps asking in my head now that, brushed off and finished, I'm walking in the street, 
is how can those numbers remain all the way through? And all along the length of every hair, and even before each one is grown apparently through my scalp. For if the hairs of my head are numbered, it means no more and no less of them have ever or ever will be. In my head, now cool and light thoughts, phantom white flies take a fling. This discovery can apply to everything. Seven. Now and then, a red leaf riding the slow flow of gray water. From the bridge, see far into the woods. Now that limbs are bare, ground thick littered. See, along the scarcely gliding stream, the blanched, diminished, ragged swamp and woods the sun still spills into. Stand still. Stare hard into bramble and tangle, past leaning broken trunks, sprawled roots exposed. Will something move? Some vision come to outline? Yes, there, deep in, a dark bird hangs in the thicket, stretches a wing. Reversing his perch, he says one chuck. His shoulder patch that should be red looks gray. This old red wing has decided to stay this year, not join the strenuous migration. Better here in the familiar to fade. So beautiful. There are points that I love in that poem, obviously. It's beautiful. <laughs> um... I'm not a professor and I'm not an analyst, but I know something sounds beautiful when I read it out loud and you can hear it stand the line, um, the three lines, actually the blanched, diminished, ragged swamp and woods. The sun still spills into stand still and stare hard into bramble and tangle. It's four lines, but when you say that out loud and you encounter that vision in your mind of standing still possibly in the vision or in the perspective of a deer or something that belongs in that forest all the same I think May puts us there and she asks us to listen to what is familiar in something like a fall or an autumn or an October I love the section where she talks about light and looking into the light of, let's see, where is it? Yeah, number four, I sit with braided finger and closed eyes in a span of late sunlight. She talks about prayer, that it's godly, the light. And for my writing personally, light is a theme I come back to over and over and over because the feeling she describes surely it is godly that makes all things begin and appear and become actual to each other it reveals what we don't want to reveal and it reveals what we do just is and it's something I revisit in my writing quite a bit 
other things I've been loving this week, um, my perfume that is called Juliet has a gun, not a perfume. It is one note. I think it's called Saralox. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway, it's the intense version of that. It is so unique and beautiful to me. Um, I like it because it's a little, it's, um, it matches your own scent and it lays down really low and very close to the skin, which I love because when I'm laying in bed or when I'm walking, I can smell it on me. If I just, you know, like bend my nose down, I can smell it very, um, unlike any other, I can't really describe it in notes of like, oh, it's warm or it's woodsy or it's floral because that's not what it is. It's just one note and it's very deep and very skin-like, but intense. So that's something I've loved. I've also been loving my playlist called Past Lives that has a lot of Ella Fitzgerald and Nina Simone, jazzy, beautiful alto music um, that feels very nostalgic for me, but also very appropriate to the cold weather. I don't know why I've made the association between jazz and cold music or <laughs> jazz and cold weather, but there we are. I think one of my favorite songs from that playlist, um, April in Paris, there's also Blue Moon, there's The Nearness of You by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong, um, also Short and Sweet by Brittany Howard, who Bonnie Vare covers on his Bonnie Vare remix, very good, very, very, very good. I can link that in the show notes. What else have I been loving? Um, we have these beautiful maples outside of our house that are the most brilliant, bright red I've ever seen a tree in my life. Picture a bright red, picture the most vivid red you can, and that is what it is. And against clear blue Colorado skies, I love it. And the wind, oh, so pretty. I I just love fall and I and I think that fall is um for me I love the seasons, but um fall is a season that reminds me that growth is not always like growing, growing. Sometimes it's nah, I don't want to relate it to that because it's cliché, but like letting go or just that you are doing something transformative versus um, doing something that makes you feel like summer, if that makes any sort of sense. Makes sense in my mind. Um, I also want to share something that I've like learned this week. Um, and this is by Mitchell C. Clark, who's on Twitter and Instagram. He's a writer in, in Richmond, Virginia. Love him. Um, and he says, when you love yourself, you hold yourself accountable. You commit to not making the same mistake twice. You choose discomfort over complacency. And you remind yourself that you deserve the best. And it reminds me, because I think for a lot of my life, like I said in the beginning, I've just wanted to optimize. That somehow the story of being better, doing better, getting rid of shit, letting go of shit in the best way, in the most optimal way of shit that I should be doing 
will protect me from imperfection. That somehow it will release me of my responsibility to be vulnerable. And I think at the core of that like gnawing feeling of wanting to change, that's what it was. It's like, I, you can't bring me to shame because guess what? I have it all together. So beat that. (laughs) Which is so silly. Um, It's a little ironic. But this quote and what I feel like I've really been taking in lately is that change and growth can be motivated by love. It can be motivated by wanting a relationship with the best version of yourself. And I think the way that's manifesting for me is like taking into account all the things that I do or maybe even the things that I feel pulled to do and getting to the root of why. Because I know for sure, and I know I've talked about this before, I'll probably be talking about it for the rest of my life. That waking up early is the thing that I'm like, have such a weird relationship with because I think I see it as the pinnacle of being disciplined and being good at life and having, you know, your morning routine down to an hour of solid time for yourself. I don't know why. But then I kind of dig and I like see that I've idolized people who've done this because it looks like they have it all together. And if I have a solid morning routine that nobody can fuck with, then like I have it all together. Anyway, it's not it's not motivated out of what is best for me. It's not motivated by wanting a relationship with the best version of myself. It's like because I want to be um, good enough. I want to be valid um, when I talk about growth and self-change. And um, that is for me an example of like what keeps coming up of like, cool. So maybe complacency is telling myself that I have to do that. Maybe complacency is accepting that I have a story of inadequacy going in my head all over, you know, over and over and over. That's complacency for me. And I think what I know, it's not even I think, it's that I feel that we deserve to be fully joyous and alive and open to the discomfort of change. We deserve all of that, right? And we deserve it coming from a place of love. I love you. So I'm ready and willing to see what that joy can do for me or what complacency I've been stuck in. I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. I love you too much to stay in that. So that's what I've been thinking about and what I love. Uh, other things I love, Charlie the Basset Hound, Lady Parmesan, my beautiful, beautiful cat um, who loves, and I relate so strongly to this, loves to be held in the morning, like will yell 
until she gets a good morning like pet or or sometimes she just wants me to carry her around the house and we go and look out the windows together and then, as I'm saying this I like I'm bubbling up with this laughter I'm like yeah that that is such a beautiful moment um what else do I love Oh, cleaning closets out. That's something I'm working on this week. So if you want to hold me accountable, please check in with my closet project and how that is going. DM me, whatever. Um, But I think I'm going to end the episode here. And I just want to say thank you, as always. Um, I don't have sponsors right now. And I wanted to say this, that I want to eventually grow this organically into something that reaches a far and wide audience. Because I believe the message of 4S is for me, for you, and for everybody. Um, I would love to um, have you rate me on Apple Podcasts because that is how that gets shared. Um, And like I said, because I don't have sponsors, your help is what I depend on and what I love and what has already helped so much already. So I appreciate you. Next week, I hope to have a guest on and you'll get to see, I'll probably tease it on Instagram. I'll probably talk about it on TikTok. Until then, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week. And like I said, my DMs are open. I'm probably going to open up my email and I want to hear from you. What do you love? How is, how is your heart? Something that I know that I ask quite often. Anyway, I love you. Live boldly. See you next week. Hey, this is the official outro. (laughs) I just wanted to hop on and say thank you again for your weekly support of tuning into this week's episode and sharing what I have to say. It means the world to me. I also wanted to mention that 4S is recorded and edited on You People's Land. Thank you so much, and I cannot wait for you to listen in next week.